Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm your host, as always, Stan McCune. I am a realtor right here in the Greenville area of South Carolina, the upstate of South Carolina. And as always, you can find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any reason. Call, text, email, DM, however you want to do it. I am available. I'm accessible for you guys more or less 24-7. And uh, just a reminder, as always, as well, please, if you love the show, please leave a five-star rating. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss future episodes. And please leave a short little review. I'd appreciate that. Whatever podcast app you're using, you can do all of those things in every podcast app. So please go ahead and do that. Today, we are going to be talking about uh, the biggest ripoffs when you are making updates to your house, when you are making modifications or, or when you are doing improvements to your house, what are the things that are the biggest ripoffs of them all? Because there's a lot of them, right? We all, when we purchase a, a home, when we, when we live in a home, we want to update them. We want to do things to help improve the, our homes and to, to make them better and, and to improve our lifestyle as a result. But there are all sorts of scams, all sorts of ripoffs, and all sorts of things that are good improvements that if done the wrong way can be excessive, unnecessary, um, or even potentially harmful. So today we're going to be talking about five home improvement, we might call them, five home improvement ripoffs. And we're going to start, number one, I, I kind of have these somewhat in order. It's kind of like, definitely these first few are the ones that I think are are the biggest ripoffs. Number one is solar panels. Now, let me start by saying this. There are some parts of the country where solar panels are very popular. And for some people, the idea of solar is a philosophical type of thing. They're trying to, to be more green. They're trying to be more sustainable, and I appreciate that. The problem with solar panels right now is that they aren't all that sustainable at the end of the day. If you do a lot of research on them, there are other ways to make your home more sustainable with more, really, more energy-efficient appliances, putting in smart systems to ensure that um, you're not, your lights aren't staying on unnecessarily, uh, you know, the ability to be able to to remotely turn lights off or to have them on, on a timer if they're on for too long or whatever the case may be. There's all sorts of ways to make your home more sustainable without using solar panels. The solar technology right now is extremely expensive. And I'm not going to get into the details on the sustainability part of it any more than I already have. But simply from the standpoint of the numbers, very few people end up actually saving money when it comes to solar. For starters, solar panels are very, very expensive, and most people end up having to lease them. Well, what a lot of people don't realize is, obviously, the lease is something that you have to pay every month, but then the actual savings from the solar, it's not like your electricity bill goes down to zero. You still have an electricity bill. It's just not as high as it would be. Um, for those that purchase their solar panels outright, because if you lease them, uh, then 
to to me, that's the biggest scam of them all, right? The the solar companies are laughing all the way to the bank for everyone that's leasing these panels. Um, if you purchase the solar panels, again, they're extremely expensive. And, you know, we're, we're talking, I, I think the last I heard, I, I haven't personally gotten the quote, but I, I know some people that have spent $30,000, $40,000 on solar panels, and, you know, it just kind of goes up from there. Again, you're, you're not reducing your energy costs to nothing by purchasing those, those solar panels. I've also seen some concerns uh, with regard to that there's actually, they're actually inequitable. The way they return energy back to the grid disproportionately hurts uh, low-income people. There, there's a whole, again, I'm not going to get into the weeds on all of that. But the bottom line is, for most people, um, they, they, from the numbers that I've seen, that I've heard, most people do not actually break even on solar panels that they purchase until around year 12 that they've owned them. Now, I, I've seen some people that are like, we broke even at year eight. Whatever the case may be, it takes a while for that investment to actually produce anything for you. Whether it's eight years, 12 years, 15 years, um, I don't really care. At the end of the day, that's not a great way to uh, typically to invest in your home because a lot of you don't know what's going to happen in 8, 10, 12, 15 years. And so I see this a lot of times that people will put solar panels on the roof and then two years later they're moving. And so they've literally just completely wasted all of that money and didn't even get to the point where they were actually basically breaking even on on the money that they spent. Um, Additionally, most people uh, that I deal with don't really like the look of solar panels on their roof. Not to mention that um, if your roof is ever damaged by hail, um, your insurance company typically will, will not remove those solar panels. So then it's your responsibility to remove the solar panels if you have an insurance claim on your roof. Um, and so there's, there are all sorts of, of really negative things about solar panels. And I think that solar panels are far and away the number one ripoff right now for, for homeowners. Um, that's my personal opinion. Um, I, I do think at some point that solar will, that, that technology, which it does improve every year and it does get more cost effective every year, maybe 10 12, 15 years from now, it will be at the point where, you know, you are able to buy solar panels for, you know, maybe five, ten thousand dollars $10,000, and then they will have paid for themselves after a year or two, something like that. At that point, then I think it can make more sense. But the way it is right now, and the way, you know, people are having to operate under the assumption that they're going to be in a home for a very long time, um, it doesn't make sense for the average household to be purchasing solar panels. And please, please do not lease the solar panels. Um, that That's something that you will not win on that one. Uh, you will end up maybe saving yourself, I don't know, $10 uh, a, a month or something like that. Um, but then when you go to sell your house, Usually, what I see often is those people then have to 
purchase those solar panels from the company that they've been leasing them from at closing. They have to pay them off at closing. So there you go. There's $30,000 you have to pay off at closing. And you've been saving, what, $10, $15, $20 a month uh, after you factor in the lease, your electrical bill, all of that kind of stuff. It is not, you're, you're not going to win on that. Again, how many months would you have to save 10, 20, 30 dollars in order to make up the 30,000 dollars that you're going to have to to pay back uh, when you end up selling the home? So there, there's just uh, a lot of things to consider. And again, that technology that you have on there, there and, and by the way, you can look up, um, solar lease agreements themselves are a scam. There's all sorts of stuff that that typical solar lease agreements put in there um, that uh, are, are to me really a scam. I'm not going to get into all of that, but you can you can Google that. You can look that one up. All in all, I'm not a big, as you can tell, I'm not a big proponent of solar panels as they currently are. I hope that said, I hope that solar becomes more of a thing because that would be great. Like in the end, I, I like some of the ideas that uh, that Tesla and and some other companies have been putting out there of the possibility for solar shingles. Um, I, I think that there's some potential with some of that, but the, the technology needs to improve. It's not quite there yet to make sense for the average homeowner. And unfortunately, most of the companies selling solar are very scammy companies. And so that only makes the issue even worse. All right, number two on my list and this could easily be number one because this one could be. I have seen some really bad instances of this mold remediation. Now, I want to clarify again, like I did with the solar, that sometimes mold remediation is necessary. I have seen this many times. I used to be an insurance adjuster. I know firsthand that mold remediation is sometimes necessary. But here is the problem. We live with mold everywhere. Mold is everywhere. You cannot escape mold. And so if you want to, let's say that someone puts the bug in your ear, hey, you might have mold. I've seen this happen. I've seen people be like, you know, I've been sick for a while. Um, you know, I've, I've just been struggling with sickness. And someone says, well, you might have mold in your house. I knew someone that that was really struggling with sickness and, and it turns out they had mold in their house. They didn't even know it. And, well, guess what? You can hire a mold expert, a quote unquote, to come out and to, to test everything in your house for mold. And guess what? They will find it because everywhere in your house has mold. Everywhere. If you go outside, mold is everywhere outside. Mold is everywhere. And so you, you can find it if you look for it. But mold is it has to reach dangerous levels and and again i'm not a medical or mold professional dangerous levels are different for different people if you have asthma if you have some uh specific allergies then you will have a, a heightened sensitivity to mold and then that becomes a much bigger deal if i have clients that tell me that they, that they have those things, I make sure, you know, hey, we definitely need to get an air quality test. But, you know, I've, I've seen some people that they want to even uh, go beyond air quality tests and, and, and do all these, all these crazy tests. And you know what? That is it's totally fine 
If you want to do that, almost all the time it's a scam. And here's how the scam works. You, they, the company that is doing the testing, either they have a division of their company that does the quote-unquote mold remediation, or they are in cahoots with the company that does. And so there is this kind of backdoor type of dealing where they, again, they will find mold, they will test it and they will find it, and then they will pass your business off to a company that they're getting a 30% cut of this unnecessary mold remediation that that company is doing. Here is a general rule of thumb. And again, you, you still need to be careful if you have sensitivities and if there are indications of mold, um, then you need to be more careful. But for most people, if you have normal inspections done and mold is not found and there's not high humidity levels, um, for instance, if you get humidity, typically I hear above 60% is when people need to start being concerned about the, the potential for, for mold growth. As long as your humidity level in your house below 60% by, for the most part, as long as your crawl space moisture is below, uh, moisture levels is below 20%, by and large, you are going to be safe. Are there exceptions? Sure, there are exceptions. But if you don't see mold, m- mold makes itself obvious, right? It It's not something that uh, is, you know, dangerous mold isn't invisible. Now, the, the non-dangerous mold that I've said you can't get away from, yeah, it, it's it's going to be invisible. But mold that is dangerous, that, that is going to be a danger to most people, you can see it, by and large, inside of a house. And most often, where mold accumulates is when there is really high moisture. It doesn't just appear out of nowhere. It's not like, oh, um you know, we just happen to have really dangerous levels of mold in our house just because of the way the house was built. No, it, again, it has, it comes from moisture. It thrives in moisture. And so typically, again, it's either crawl space moisture is above 20%. And that's something that we test for during the inspection process of a home indoor humidity level above 60%, or there's some kind of a moisture source somewhere uh, that is accumulating for whatever reason. For instance, a plumbing leak. Um, But even if you have a plumbing leak, I I personally, and again, you need to do what's best for you and your family and and consult um, with your homeowner's insurance and 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 the professionals that they recommend if you think that you might have a leak that's caused a mold problem. But typically, from my experience, when you have a plumbing leak and then mold grows where that leak is, usually that mold is not spreading all over the house as a result of that. Usually it's just confined to where that moisture is. You solve the plumbing leak, Typically, you have to cut that mold. You know, if it's sheetrock or whatever, you cut that sheetrock, patch it, boom, call it a day. You're done. Um, now, people are going to be worried. Well, I mean, it's been leaking behind the walls. What What now? Typically, typically, it just, at that point, once the leak has been solved, as long as, long as it hasn't been leaking for, for instance, years, um, typically, 
if it's only been leaking for, let's say, a few days, maybe even a few weeks, um, once you stop the the water from leaking further, then uh, and and resolve where where you see the mold, typically it's gonna be fine behind the walls. It's gonna it's just gonna air out. It's just gonna dry out more often than not. Um, uh, there are ways to to identify that. There are ways to test that. You could have inspectors if you're concerned about that. That can um, that have uh, little snake cameras um, that they can put down and, and check for that kind of stuff. So there are things that can be done. But I'm just warning you guys right now. There is a time and a place for mold remediation. But if you go out, if you don't aren't aware of of any mold problem, and there you're not noticing. That, you, that there are adverse health-related things happening in your family that are just random, that didn't happen until you moved into your house. And then, without any evidence that there is any mold and without any evidence that, that your family's health has changed since you've moved in, into the house, then you go out looking for problems with mold, you're going to find what you look for. You are going to find it, and you're going to spend a lot of money in the process. Um, and so be careful. Now, if you are, if your family is, if you move into a house and all of a sudden your family starts to have health problems, um, that may be evidence of a mold issue. And there can be hidden mold. Um, but I'm telling you, 99% of the time, that's going to be caught by a good home inspector and by a an inspector that does the CL100, which is the termite and moisture test. Um, and again, we're assuming that humidity levels and moisture levels are where they need to be. So please do not scam yourself with some of these mold remediation scams. All right, number three on my list, roofs. Um, again, as a former insurance adjuster, I know a thing or two about roofs. Here is what I would say. Obviously, you need a roof, right? And you should have a good roof at the end of the day. I recommend architectural shingles. You don't want those, you know, 20 year, three tab shingles. Those things are garbage. Uh, those things flap up with the slightest wind gust. And, it, you know, you're just, there, there's no reason, in my opinion, to get those. Just upgrade to the 30 year architectural shingle. It's gonna, it's such a higher quality. I've seen, I've been on dozens. I don't know, maybe hundreds of roofs. I've seen firsthand the difference in quality, and it's a huge difference. It is absolutely a huge difference. Um, so that is one upsell that is good. If if a roofer tells you, hey, don't you know, don't just save a thousand dollars to get the twenty-year three-tab shingle. Go ahead and spend the extra thousand to get the architectural shingle. Yes, that's a good upsell. Unfortunately, roofers. We'll try to upsell you on everything else, right? Um, they'll try to tell you, oh, your fascia, your soffit, you know, these, you know, are going to be prone to to this or, or that. Um, they're exposed to the elements. You need to do all these things. Um, you don't need, you probably don't need to do those things. They're going to try to upsell you. Um, one that I saw recently was a roofing company gave a quote to um, to a client of mine that I looked through it, and it included that they had roofing felt and ice water shield all over the roof. Now, for the average consumer, they have no idea what that means. 
in South Carolina, it's very unusual for a roof to have or need ice and water shield across the entire roof. Have I seen instances where um, in the valley of the roof, ice water shield is used? And is there some wisdom to that? Yeah, there can be. But roofing felt in our area is normally adequate. That ice water shield is typically more for northern climates that, that have ice that have a lot more ice than we have, and and as a result, have need uh, an extra layer of, of protection against uh, water seeping in. Um, but in South Carolina, listen, if I were getting a roof replaced, I wouldn't have ice water shield. Um, and so there's a, there's a lot of things like that. Roofers will try to upsell you on everything. Um, get a few quotes from reliable people, from roofers. Um, who aren't going to scam you, who, you know, at, at least if you get quotes from a, a few of them, hopefully one of them hasn't scammed you. And then you can kind of see the difference between the quote. Don't show them the, the roofing quote that you got from the other company. Do not do that. Make them give their own quote and make their own recommendations for what your roof needs. Here's another one that's uh, that's not an upsell, but is something that roofers will do in order to try to, to get more money out of you because they're claiming that they're saving you money. Try to say, um, okay, so you can't, th- this is particularly true when there's metal, metal roofing being put on a house. Um, okay, you're on the border of being able to afford this or not. Okay, here's what we'll do. Why don't we just put the new roof over top the old shingles? It doesn't hurt anything. And in fact, it gives you now more protection. Now you've got multiple layers of shingles on here, so even less likelihood of water going through. Um, here's why this is a really, really bad idea. First off, what keeps the the water from on the outside of your house is not the shingles directly. The shingles offer a layer of protection, but it's really the felt, the roofing felt underneath. That is what really offers the most protection against the water from, from coming into your house. And so that, that's why you'll see when, uh, when roofers are, are doing their thing, they will sometimes leave a part of, of a house without shingles on it in rain, but it, it always has the felt on it because that is what needs to be protected. So even if it rains, it's got the felt on it, it is by and large good to go. If you just put shingles over top of old shingles, you're not replacing the felt. So what good are you doing? If you put... A metal roof over top of of the old of the old shingles. Okay, so so the metal is offering an additional layer of protection. However, you've got a whole nother issue of the weight of the roof, and this is what a lot of people don't think about. A roof is not made to support multiple layers of shingles. That it, code does not require a roof to be able to support that weight. And what a lot of people do when they at when they have multiple layers of shingles, they're actually risking their roof potentially collapsing. And, I, and I'm not even joking. They are compromising the structural integrity of that roof, of the rafters, of their joists, all of that by by putting so much weight on it. Um, so that's another kind of scammy suggestion that some roofers will make in order to just get a job. Do not take that suggestion. If you can't afford for them to rip off the old shingles and the old felt and all of that, then you need to save up some money before you replace your roof. Here's another one, number four um, on the list of uh, of ripoffs <laughs> as you're doing home improvements. Um, crawl space encapsulation. 
So as most people realize here in South Carolina, we have a, a home is supposed to have, if it has a crawl space, what we call a vapor barrier. That's a, a piece of thick plastic that goes on the ground. It, it's almost like a tarp. Um, it goes on the ground and it just keeps moisture low to the ground rather than elevating up and getting into the wood substructure of the house. That's how you keep the moisture level where it needs to be, partially how you do it, down in your crawl space. Now, are you still having issues with moisture in your crawl space? Well, there, there are usually very simple fixes for this. But there are companies out there that will tell you, you need to do a full crawl space encapsulation. Do you need to do a full crawl space encapsulation? I defer to the experts, but I will say this, most of the time, and most, and I've read a lot of others and talked to a lot of others that are experts in the field that agree with me, most of the time it is a complete ripoff. There are cheaper ways to lower the crawl space moisture than to fully encapsulate it. That's gonna cost you thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars to do a full encapsulation down there. It's not necessary I mean, maybe, maybe 1% of crawl spaces would benefit from a full encapsulation. But I doubt, I think the number is lower than 1%. I think it's like hardly any crawl spaces anywhere need to address moisture by means of encapsulation. That's There are just so many simpler options than that. Um, but that is a common ripoff that you will, that you will get from companies that specialize in uh, crawl space type of work and moisture remediation, they will try to convince you. And and some of these mold companies, that we already talked about the mold remediation companies, oftentimes they will recommend encapsulation as part of their way of addressing the, the, the mold issue that doesn't actually exist. And so now you're just adding up the dollars. They're, they're compounding on each other. Don't do that. Um, make sure if someone recommends a crawl space encapsulation, my recommendation, get a second opinion from someone else and, and have them take a look at it and see if there are other options. Sump pump, dehumidifier, things like that that can reduce the, uh, the moisture levels down there. Number five, and last on my list, chimney repairs. Um, this one hits close to home for me because I had a, uh, a wood-burning fireplace at my old house that I used to live at. And eventually I came around to think, you know what? I think I, I want to try to get this wood burning fireplace functional. I had a, a chimney sweep come out and give me a quote. I, I just thought, you know, this is going to be simple that we just need them to, to sweep the chimney and re repair a few basic brick related things. It'll be simple. We'll, we'll get it knocked out and then we can use the fireplace. They ended up giving me a $5,000 quote. I mean, they... They might as well have just ripped the chimney off, you know, the side of my house and just built a new one for the quote because they ripped me a new one for the quote uh, that they gave me on uh, on trying to fix that chimney. And guess what I've found out since then? That was years ago. That is what they always do. They are constantly, their whole business model depends on convincing you that that you need to be upsold on more than just sweeping your chimney, more than just basic obvious repairs that need to be done. Um, and they can get away with it because most people are not fireplace or chimney experts. 
It's similar. That's a common theme through this, right? The, the mold thing, people aren't experts on mold, so they're able to get ripped off. People aren't experts on roofs, so they're able to get ripped off. People aren't experts on crawl spaces and moisture, so they're able to get ripped off. Um, here again with chimneys, because people tend to not be experts when it comes to chimneys and fireplaces. They are prone to getting ripped off. And so that is something um, that you just need to be aware of. Um, now, again, I think that the best idea is to try to get quotes from a few different companies. Um, and I certainly, out of all of these things, I am the least knowledgeable about chimneys um, out, out of all of these things that we've discussed here. But get a few quotes from a few different com- from a few different companies, and then talk to people that actively use wood bur- a wood burning fireplace to say, "Hey, what do you think? This company is saying we need to do all of these things. What are your thoughts?" That is your best bet. Talk to someone that is knowledgeable about their own fireplace and their own chimney, and have them give you some advice. Particularly if they've been been burning wood for a long time, they can. That I have found those people to be by far the most knowledgeable. Now it's really important if you're going to burn wood in your fireplace, you got to make sure that that fireplace is functioning properly. And you don't want to set your house on fire. You don't want to set smoke through your house. So it's really important that you get it right. And and it's possible that the chimney sweep gives you a list of things that need to be done that genuinely need to be done. Um, but just be aware that there are a lot of ripoff artists out there in the chimney sweep and chimney repair industry, and they're good at what they do. They're good at ripping people off. Hope that was helpful for you guys. Let me know if you have any questions, any feedback. Hopefully, you're not angry about anything that I said. If you if you sell solar, I have a, I have a friend on Facebook that sells solar um, that gets angry whenever I say something negative about solar. Hopefully, you're not uh, one of the people listening right now. Well, actually, I do hope that you're listening, and I hope that that uh, you're willing to put a review on there and say I disagree with his take on solar, but here's five stars anyway, right? So leave me a rating, leave me a review. Go ahead and and not just me, the show. Go ahead and subscribe to Selling Greenville on whatever podcast app you prefer. Again, my contact information is in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any reason. And I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the week.